0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Sea View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pereco. Our opening song features Sunset Serenade by Cyclone. Albums and singles are available in all music stores and platforms. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. Each week, we create a place for you to rest your heart by providing the platform for peaceable connection to the most gifted lightworkers intuitive, alternative healers who will surprise you with something different, something outside of what's expected, innovative and unique. Our shows are held on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern U.S. time and 9 a.m. Pacific time. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. take my call at any moment before or during the show you can opt for take my call and jump the long line of callers we are now following the pay what you can business model you pay what you feel our services are worth to you you can send a payment using paypal.me slash p-u-r-p-c-o and add the amount that you want to request a show please write to Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, close your eyes and get in touch with the present, the only reality. Feel your body, feel your breath, and let it drift back to the present moment.
1: Light with Debbie Nina Bingham. Hello, dear listeners. Today's marks a special episode of the Metacasts from Metatron's study study group group podcast. I'm sorry, and we are thrilled to have you with us. I'm your producer Claudia, and with us we have host Debbie Nina Bingham, and we are so honored to have her here as our guide through the profound insight of chapter 22 from her book, Messages from Metatron, which is titled The Anarchist of Light. In this chapter, we delve into the transformative concept of being anarchists of light, or agents of change in a world that is hungry for transformation. It is a journey into understanding how we can change ourselves and even more crucially, how we can influence from where we are the systems around us. Are you ready to explore the power you hold as a catalyst for positive change? But this is not just a monologue between Nina and myself. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your questions, any experiences, anything that, can, that you think is valuable to this conversation. So grab your phones and dial 805-830-8344. And remember just to press 1 when you're ready to have something to say. As always, we also have the presence of the angels of Metatron that they make their entrances or their appearance to our show whenever they want.
0: So don't be surprised if you
1: get a reading out of today's show with Nina Nina Vincent, who is like the interpreter of these angels. Okay, so for those not familiar with our podcast, the author and host for today is Debbie Nina Khan. She is your guide, and she brings a blend of spirituality, practical wisdom, and a dash of rebellious spirit to every episode. Together, Nina and I will unravel and have been unraveling to, within the mysteries of the universe. We have been challenged in our perspective, and we both have embraced the transformative power of being sheltered by Metatron and his messages. Don't miss the opportunity to be part of a community seeking enlightenment. And let's bring Nina to the show, because she also can let us know how you can get a free the book of her book, Messages from Metatron, Nina, welcome. I am so, so happy to have you here. Please take charge.
2: Good morning. Thank you, Claudia, for that wonderful introduction. Um, and welcome, one and all, to today's show. Uh, we are going to explore the question, how do I do my part? That's the question. How do I do my part to fix what needs fixing in our world, which is a government, a political system, a world that is so broken. So our show title, and we'll talk about what that means, Anarchists in the Light. And I'm going to take a, a little detour today and explain something from a different angle, from the Hindu perspective. Now, in this question of can I change things, will my choices make a difference? Or should I forget about affecting this archaic system? And I'm talking about political and governmental, all the social systems that we have. Or should I just resign myself to the acquisition of material things? I mean, that's what most people do, right? We become capitalists and our life becomes about the acquisition of things. So, you know, you've heard the old saying, he or she who dies with the most toys wins, right? So should the game of life be played so seriously as if it were real? Or shouldn't we realize that this is all a clever game as the Hindus say it is? Because if this isn't anything but a game, Then nothing matters but having fun. Because that's what games are all about, right? So what is my responsibility to the world? And I'll say it like this. This game is about you. This is your universe. Your planet. Your country. Wherever you are. Your state or province, if you're in Canada, or territory. This is your community, your neighborhood, and finally, your family and yourself, with a capital S, self as in soul, which is the essence of you. And this is your work changing you. And since you're creating it and are a part of it, And as the Hindus believe, you are it. You are it. You are responsible to change all of it. All of it. If all of it, this archaic world, is you, is your projection, don't you have some culpability for it, for the way it's turning out? So while it's all a cosmic dream, God is dreaming you who is dreaming. Though it be only a dream, it is a dream that no one but you is having. And so the question we are all faced with is, am I going to play this straight? Do I have fun with it all? Because you can't control where dreams go, can you? When you're in a dream, you are part of the play. You're in a starring role. But hardly ever do you realize that you're dreaming during the dream. And the same is true now, right now. Right now, it all seems terribly, fearfully real. Mistakes we made, pain we suffered, death and tragedy and happiness and ecstasy, it all seems like it's the only game in town because we don't know any different. And so we're wanting to change ourselves and trying to change the world to make it a better place. But it seems like our planet is hurling ever faster towards the precipice of disaster, of nuclear war. Of irreversible climate damage. Just read the headlines. Of a future that is frightful to contemplate. Sit down because of this and really think it all through. Because if we did, we couldn't sleep at night. And our lives would have to change. Oh, yes. Yeah. If we really contemplated our choices and where we're headed, we would have to change our lives. So no, we don't. We don't think. We just do. We do what we always do. We stick to our routines, our safe routines. We can't go out the door without our ritual cup of coffee. We must have our shot of caffeine to get going. And we drive the same route every day to the office. And we say the same things that sound the smartest. And we tell the same jokes. And we tie our shoes exactly the same way because it's how we were taught. We are who we are because of our genetics and how we were indoctrinated and not out of our ability to be unique and different. Let me say that again. We are who we are because of our genetics and how we were indoctrinated, and not out of our ability to be unique and different. Because in this world, being a rat that goes the opposite way in a rat maze is not usually rewarded, or understood. There may be no tease at the end of that maze. It will get you into a lot of extraordinary and yet uncomfortable situations. Ordinary meaning extra, meaning more than what's ordinary. And sometimes it will earn you negative attention. That can make life really uncomfortable. So instead, we do what we've been told to do. We do what we always do. And I hope I have your attention by now. (laughs) Because what I'm going to say is important in the sense of you waking up. You've heard of the Buddha. We've all heard about the Buddha, the founder of Buddhism, it's all will refer to as a thinking man's religion. That's really what it is. Even though I'm not a Buddhist, I believe that's what it is. But Buddhists, real Buddhists, are those who have sat and pondered the deeper questions of life. And like the philosophers, they came to a conclusion about life. And in a nutshell, here it is. I'm going to give it to you the Hindus arrived at the same conclusion. They may have expressed it a different way. Buddha lived in India, and he was born after Hinduism was in full swing. So Buddha's philosophy arose out of Hinduism. So Buddhism and Hinduism are like brothers. They're born of the same roots. And so both of these Religions, the holy scriptures in these religions, what they say is this. What the Buddha came to understand as a result of his seeking is that life is something one must wake up from. Say that again. Life is something that one must wake up from. The root word bud means awakened or waking up. And what do you awaken from? What do you awaken from when you awake? You awaken from a dream, isn't it? His message was the same as the Hindus had said, which is, this is a divine play. Halila, they called it, a divine play. And your job, your mission is to wake up to reality. That's it. That's what you're here to do. Because the dream state isn't the real world, is it? It looks real when you're in it, but then something wakes you up. A sound, or maybe the dream ends and your body says, like mine often does, that it's time to get up and go to the bathroom. And how many times have you woken up and been surprised? that you were dreaming that it wasn't real, probably hundreds, thousands of times. And Buddha, the awakened one, the one who woke up, wanted us to know something. He said, hey, this is nothing but a dream, an elaborate play, a hoax, if you will. What are we supposed to do with this information? All the stress, all the decay, he's saying none of it is real. So what? How does this news help us? And what should our reaction be to this news? Should we laugh at everything? Just laugh everything off? Laugh at the suffering? Because... Suffering feels very real. People are suffering and tell them it's not real and you're going to get poked in the nose. As sure as hell, feels real to them. And yet, these Eastern religions are telling us it's not real. The Hindus tell us it's not. The Buddha told us it's not. So how are we to then live our lives on this planet? So I'm going to stop there and I'm going to get reaction to what I just said. Anybody want to share their thoughts? Yes.
1: Yeah, so if you're ready to uh, comment, just press one on your, on your phones and we'll ring your thoughts. And you know, I mean, this is something that I have pondered myself many times because it is, very challenging to think that it is not real that um, suffering illness all of that is not real so so then what is it like when when you are going through anything that is for you real suffering illness all of that and for you is real but you're told not then what label do we put to that part of your experience which you label as suffering or do you just do it like happiness but you don't feel happiness to be still <laughs> or you know it, it it feels like you are trying also to uh, shape shape shift your mind into i don't know it's it's i i just don't know how to handle that because feel like I want to convince myself of the contrary of something that I'm experiencing or that i have been mm-hmm. taught. So crumbling all of that, it will mean to be entirely who I am to become something that I don't know.
2: Yes, and I think most of us are in the same boat. Claudia, in that we don't know what to think of this. We don't know what to make of this because it isn't our experience. Our experience is that it's all very real, right? Because our senses, our five senses, that's what we experience the world with. And so our five senses are telling us, you know, the water feels wet. The water feels cold, you know. <laughs> My heart is, I mean, these things you can't talk us out of. But but the point to be made here, however, is that though they feel real and look real and sound real, um, the Eastern religions are telling us it's not real. It's, it's a divine play that we're playing in. That it's really, it's a charade. It's We're all dressed up in these costumes in this play. And when death comes, we're going to leave our costume behind and we'll remember, oh, yeah, that's right. This isn't real anyway. This is just a play we were playing, right, to grow, in order to grow. So this message, more than any other, in Metatron's book, answers this question of how we should live. So in short, he says, you are here to change the system. You are here to be anarchists. And let's remember what anarchist means. And I remember channeling the word anarchist, and I went, huh? (laughs) When that word came through. Because why would an archangel choose the word anarchist? First, what is an anarchist? Here's a definition. Quote, a person who rebels against any authority, establishing order, or ruling power. So basically, it's anti-establishmentarianism. One who rebels against the establishment. And Metatron says, be like that. Be that. But how do we change the establishment without putting ourselves in peril? And we'll come to find out that you might not be able to. Because people who have dared to stand against the status quo often get in trouble, don't they? Yeah. And this is why we pretend, we pretend... That is all very real. It's all very serious and we should do all just as we're told. And we pretend the dream is real. And how ludicrous is that? We wake up every now and again, something wakes us up out of our self-imposed stupors. And we see, we're reminded, oh, you've been sleeping You haven't been paying attention to your life. But like the bear that hibernates, we fall back asleep again. And the only thing that can keep us awake is to be anarchists. But Metatron adds something to that. He says, yes, become an anarchist, but become an anarchist of light. Be awake. Stay awake, but fight for the good. And there are two kinds of everything, aren't there? There is a light and a dark version of everything. The Buddha was saying, wake up and keep awake. And here Metatron is reminding us, it's all a dream, but it's your dream. And if you don't like this dream and the way it's going, who can change your dream except for you? But that puts us right back where we started, doesn't it? How can I change the dream when I'm dreaming it? He doesn't say. He doesn't say it's going to be easy. It's a tricky thing to live this life and remain awake. We're talking about consciousness now. The word dream is just a euphemism. I can't say the word euphemism. Euphemism (laughs) for the word consciousness. When we are dreaming, we are unconscious, aren't we? When we're sleeping, we're not conscious. So our task is to remain as conscious as we can, even while we're dreaming. Now I'm talking about in life now. now. I told you this was tricky. There's a special kind of dreaming called lucid dreaming. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Lucid dreaming. It's when you're dreaming, but you realize during the dream that it's not real and that you're dreaming and you wake yourself up. Claudia, has that ever happened to you
1: during your dream that you realize, wait a minute, this is a dream, and you wake up? Yeah, but not only that, I have been able to – be conscious that it's a dream and change it while I'm dreaming. So so you're right. Yeah. We have the power. We have the power. It's just, you know, I love where in the book also um Metroton says that the problem is our fearing mind. And he says like a root bound plant, unless you do the things that look impossible, your fearing mind will be comfortable in its tiny parcel of soil. And that that message is just for me when I read that question. It's not just for me, but it's like that message. I think my most important block, or this, is my fear mind. Is I fear things before even they happen in my mind. I'm like, oh no, but what if blah blah blah, or that I don't see how possible it is. Because I refrain myself. And when I do that, I stop myself from being the magnificent that I can be because my mind says no. And
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and that stops me. So, So I love that when he said that in that book. I told you, this chapter I really, really like. And Kathy wants to comment as well. So do you want to hear what Kathy wants to say?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, Kathy, do you have something to add? Yeah. um, Am I on? I'm not sure if I'm muted. No, you are on. Okay. Well, I guess your
2: commentary just brings to mind not just Eastern religion, but I think Jesus said be in the world, not of the world.
0: Mm hmm
3: which to me lends itself to realize you're in Maya, as the Eastern set, philosophies say. I don't know. I mean, I I just link those together. And yes, I feel like I'm trapped in this world, and I'm
2: conscious that I'm trapped in this world, and don't find my my pathway out.
3: So that's yeah. my only
2: thought. Yeah, we're all in the same boat here. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in the same rat maze. Yeah, and yeah. it's true that that Christ did um, address the fact that this world is not real and that, um, you know, we're here to observe it and to change it, really. That's, that's, that absolutely was a message of his. So this, this idea that we're all, you know, wrapped, trapped in a maze and we're all looking for the keys, it's really true. Um, and we have to learn what to do with this quandary. You know, um, spiritually, this is where we've got to get to, is that to be an anarchist of light, we first must realize that this is a dream. Therefore, nobody can change it but me. And that number two, it's going to take a radical transformation of my perception and my thinking, as Claudia was saying, to stay awake Right? Because our brain will just put us back to sleep, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so that this introduction brings me to today's message about anarchy. So how do we, as, as the late civil rights activist, John Lewis, the Georgia congressman who, who passed recently, he put it like this. He said, get in good trouble, necessary trouble, and redeem the soul of America. So according to John Lewis, good trouble is the kind of trouble that is necessary to bring about change. Another great champion of women's rights and the disabled rights was First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. And she said this, and this is actually addressing what you just said, Claudia, that, quote, you must do the thing that you think you cannot do, unquote. You must do um, the thing she, you think you can. Yeah, what does that mean, though? <laughs> like, how do we face our fears? Because Metatron gives us a roadmap to follow in this message, and that's why it's powerful. And whether you fight for the rights of the underdog or are looking to find the courage to face your own private battles, and we all have them, this message is for you. And he begins this message by saying, quote, The anarchist of life, by making the statement, quote, you absolutely must stand up to your fears. Unless you do the things that look impossible, your fearing mind will be comfortable in its tiny parcel of soil. And while you'll be safe, you'll be useless. And I don't mean useless to the society in which you live. You may have a practical usefulness as a worker or a parent, while never challenging your spiritual capabilities at all. There is a spiritual uselessness which has, like a disease, stunted the growth of humanity. And if you're not vigilant, you will fall into this trap, Unquote. So he's clearly warning us not to be like everybody else. But if we're not to be like most people, then what are we to be? And here he gives us the answer. Quote, to be spiritually useful, you must be a rebel. You must not accept the placating and pacifying of this corrupt system's way of shutting you up. You must become a change agent, every last one of you, unquote. Wow, so those are pretty tall orders. I mean, isn't it enough to simply survive this life? After all, life is no cakewalk. It can be challenging and painful. Psychic Sylvia Brown said at one time, and I'm paraphrasing here, she said, if the only thing you ever do was sit on your couch and drink dust beer your entire life, you would still be thought brave on the other side simply because you came here. (laughs) So if you did nothing more than what you've done today, there's a crown waiting for you on the other side. So this incarnation, this body, this set of circumstances that you've chosen, this karma that met you here is no small choice. Girls, it is no small choice. Gentlemen, it is no small choice that you are here. And throughout this book, over and over again, it's made clear that the choice to incarnate on Earth is one of the most difficult planets, and to choose this life is either the choice of a madman or a hero. (laughs) Either you are a complete fool for choosing this, or you are doing something amazingly courageous. So if life on earth is already a challenge, why does Metatron say that it's not enough? Because he says it isn't. He says your mission is to rise above it. Your mission is to transcend your own small and nearly meaningless trivialities. In other words, beyond yourself. Because if you don't, you'll be safe all right. You may be safe if all you do is watch TV and drink Duff beer. But you'll never rise to the level that your soul is aspiring to. He said that the world system is set up to keep you in line, to keep you in check, to make you. So that you don't rock the boat. You know how I know that's true? Start ah. speaking out against the world inequities in public. Start speaking out or start writing about it against the world's inequities and suddenly men in black are gonna show up. <laughs> the government I know. Yes. Yeah, the government or powers who govern will find you. I mean ask ask um, Jane Fonda, if this is true, she she has a criminal record, you know, because when she was a younger woman, she used her platform as an actress to speak out against the Vietnam War. And President Nixon had her thrown in jail, trying to intimidate her into shutting up. And John Lewis spent plenty of time in jail because he refused to stop his nonviolently protesting for civil rights. Not only was he jailed, but he was beaten by police. Any protester who stands there against the police for something good may be beaten or fined or jailed for speaking out against the system. There are consequences, sometimes serious, for speaking against injustices, aren't there? Still, Metatron says, quote, to be spiritually useful, you must be a rebel, and you may be saying, well, this message isn't for me because I'm not protesting kind. To which Metatron replies, quote, the word impossible stops you cold because you have so little respect for your own abilities. You discount yourself because it's easier that way, but you, can, you can't live in this shallowness forever, unquote. And I'll stop there, and Claudia, I want to um, bring in your perspective what do you feel when you hear the call that Metatron is making for all of us to become change agents
1: Well, you know I, it makes me I, yeah it makes me think um feel like I have to go out and protest or join something or break something, and I don't know how to do that and I love that. A little bit after in that chapter, he, and I don't remember where, he starts to explain a little bit that it's not precisely to go and, you know, join an army and, and things like that, and that even the smallest of changes count. And but mm-hmm. and I, I love where he says that just like little of changes count in your life, wherever you are,
0: that also when you stop yourself
1: in in the little things counts as well. So we have to be careful when we have a call of doing something in our lives and fear or uh, thinking that it's impossible stops us, and that's for me. Because not now, but that has a ripple effect and i might not know now that well i just didn't open the door well not opening the door meant this didn't happen this didn't happen this didn't happen as well as just opening the door that it could be a simple act of just opening the door it allows all of these other things to happen so the, the things that we need to do or that's what my understanding they are not all the huge, you know, Jesus, Buddha kind of life. It's also from where you are in what you do. Did you get that also, Debbie?
2: Yes, I did. I did. Um, to me, it's more a question of are you going to plant seeds, and you know, and, and they come mm-hmm. up. Now, when they come up is not even your responsibility, but the plan to plant the seeds is, okay? So the question that we all have to decide is whether we will heed this call to transcend our personal problems. Because it's very easy to get centered on our heartache, on our pain, on our grief, on our losses, on our disappointments, and our setbacks. So whether we will take seriously this matter of transcending ourselves or not, whether we got as my guru Sadhguru said, whether we got a good deal or a bad deal in life. You know, whether the plot of our lives is comic or tragic, we must make up our minds whether we, regardless of our circumstances We must decide who we are going to be in the world. Will you live only concerned for your own problems? Or will you arise and, like Christ, be resurrected to use your life in service to a higher calling? And you might say, well, I'm just trying to keep my head above water here. You know, I'm earning a living, uh, I'm raising children, uh, I'm sustaining a marriage. That's enough. That takes all my time. And to these objections, Metatron says this, quote, you'll choose to be a part of the revolution for good or you'll side with those whose God is money. Now here he draws uh, a very... Very definite line. Okay, now we're getting down to it. He's not saying don't earn a living. He's not saying don't raise a family. He is pointing out a dangerous mindset. A dangerous mindset. There is a way of thinking that can rob you of being a seriously spiritual person. And who is a genuinely spiritual person? Metatron tells us in this message that the soul isn't hungry for material things. How could it be? Your soul, your spirit is energetic in nature. The spirit has no use for material things. A spiritual person is one who doesn't put material things ahead of their spiritual self. Why? Because material things obscure your vision, he says. This is not me saying it. Steve Metatron Mm -hmm. says, if you're a materialist, if that's what your focus is in this life, it's going to obscure your vision so that you're not going to be a fully spiritual person. You're not going to develop spiritually. And then he says, you must, quote, you must relinquish this thirst for more and more and more things, there will never be enough to satisfy, unquote. So how can we be concerned with the state of the world it's in if my focus is always on myself? If my vision is set on acquisition, getting more, more, more toys, more money, more recognition, is there any room to think of other people? So the first step in creating a revolution of being what he called an anarchist of light is to broaden our perspective so that it includes not only ourselves but society too. And I wonder how difficult, and I'm talking to the callers and, Claudia now, I want to ask, how difficult is it to transcend our own problems so that we can see the needs around us? Or I guess the question is more, why is it so hard for us to rise above ourselves, above materialism? I just want to throw that question out there.
1: Okay. That brings Pat. The show and see if she has a comment.
3: Pat, do you have something to say about that? Um, I I find it um, depressing. The questions mm-hmm. and it seems to be like either or, and I think most of us are are always trying, are always searching, are always trying to educate ourselves about the world beyond ourselves and why is it so difficult because life is really difficult and we get caught up on so many things we're not mm. we're not the god to money but um when the car breaks down and this happens and you know prescriptions cost so much and so on and so on um we get overwhelmed and money becomes a big deal and the idea of mm. fighting all that seems at times difficult but at the same time I I believe that people are always searching to be more than themselves and always trying to understand how can I bring this out into the world Um, you know I mean the world looks bleak but when you start searching and start hooking up here and there and reading other people's comments you, you realize that there are so many people that are compassionate and are trying in one way or another. Um, uh, For example, I get involved with dogs, and it's overwhelming and so incredibly depressing. Why is mankind like this? But I'll find a site that will do anything they can to save dogs and the comments that come in. And sometimes the story will spread across the United States, if not the world because people are so stunned at what has been done to this animal, yet at the same time the love and the outpouring and the prayers are profound. So I mean you're kind of hitting me at a vulnerable point because I've had strength and then suddenly kind of gotten weak and depressed and it's, you know, worrying me out a little bit and thinking I need to get back to God a little more to find some strength and Right now, I'm not there. So that's mm-hmm. what I have to say. I'd also love to hear something from Metatron for me personally, if that's doable.
2: Yeah, absolutely it's doable. Um, thanks for your your comments. And I, I think, you know, in this message she said, in fact, I mentioned this, that there's two of everything. You know, there's always Bloody. the light, but there's always the dark is they're shadowing it too. But there's always right. those you know, there's always those two aspects of life. So, like you said, you know, with your pets rescuing, it's like there are people who will do anything to rescue pets, and there are people who abuse pets. So there are both the light and dark in life, and it's you know, it's a real power Walking, like you said, especially about monetary things, um, you know, we don't we don't want to be inconvenienced, um, and so you know, we kind of, at least I do. I sort of, I don't always speak for myself. I sort of lean towards the money, you know, rather than away. And because it's such an inconvenience when you don't plan ahead, you know, when you don't have savings there to go back on. Right. 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 So we're just, we're in a very material world. We're not in an energetic world. We're not in an etheric world. Now, when we get to the other side, we will be for a while, and we'll go, you know, that's a lot of weight I just lost, and boy, do I feel a lot lighter over on this side. So we're in a very dense materialistic planet, and and we we are part of that, right We're part of that. Yeah, so uh, it's no wonder that we we deal with that two things
3: lately i'm I'm looking at my worries and saying, "Well, what are they? What do you have?" and you know what can you do about this?" And it comes down simply, if I had more money. I'd be okay. And I'm not being naive. I'm 70, and I've lived through a lot. And I know all the struggles that will be ahead of me, but those I somehow feel much safer in than the issue with The other thing I was talking to my pastor about, pretty much the same thing, worrying about money, he says you're in the flesh, and you're never going to figure it out. And you're gonna if yeah. you have one question then you're gonna have more and then you're gonna have more. You're in the flesh, you're separate from God and it's you you will just never figure it out. You'll never be ultimately in my interpretation is safe and protected. It's really hard to get there, but that's that's all yeah. I can do I feel, as your questions. Um, and that's hard.
2: It's hard. Mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. So, you know, something that just came to mind to tell you, and I don't know, I don't think this is Metatron, I think this is just more, um, uh, I'm a Hindu, and so I think that's more my, my Hindu knowledge, but um, there's a saint, um, you know, there's lots of Indian saints, there's thousands of them, but, but one Indian saint that lived during on Earth during the 40s, well, I think the 30s through the 60s, actually, uh, her name was, people called her Ma, simply Ma, but um, Anandamai Ma. Tree and on my mom. Huh. So she's a beautiful girl, um, and she lived quite a long life, and uh, I, I love her. I venerate her as a saint. But she said something that changed my life, and I just want to share it with you. I mean, it changed my life, like tremendously, maybe more than any other spiritual thing I've heard. And here's what she said it was very simple, because she was a simple woman. She didn't even go to, never even went to elementary school, but never had any school. very simple minded woman. But she said some profound things. Um, And what she said was, whatever comes is all right. Somebody was talking to her uh, about, you know, the suffering that they were going through, and she just looked at them and said, make your motto in life this, that whatever comes to me was meant to be. Right. Whatever came to me was meant to come to me is meant to be. And accept life on that level. Just accept whatever comes as my karma. Because, you know, Hindus believe in karma. So accept that if suffering comes, it's be. And I'm going to make the best of this suffering. And I'm going to learn patience. Or I'm going to learn, you know, whatever it is you're learning. And if, if you're in abundance and if you're in joy, then enjoy that. And know that that's coming because you're supposed to have it. But whatever condition you find yourself in in life, it's been sent as your karma. Okay? So lots of previous lifetimes, they believe, in the past have sent what's coming to you now in your life. And that is a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> I mean, it certainly is a hard pill to swallow when, you know, like, like I lost a daughter
3: when she was 15.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah. that's hard to swallow. When you have a daughter, yes. she committed suicide. So when mm. you have a daughter that dies in a tragic way like that, how do you really and truly in your soul accept that this is your karma, that this is yeah. this, whatever comes is all right, that it's okay, that it's going to be okay? Yeah. And it took me a long time, a long time to get to the point where I could say, you know what, that was my karma. And what happened was all right. It was all right for her and it's all right for me and everybody else. But it took a long, many years to accept it. So what comes to me to say to you is whatever comes is all right. In other words, make peace with whatever comes to you and try to stay in that peace. It's hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's okay to cry. It's okay to yell. It's okay to get mad. But try as much as you can to accept it and to not resist it. It's the resisting that gets us in trouble.
3: Right, right. And that's what the pastor would say is in the flesh. And I'm so sorry (laughs) to you about losing your daughter. There's there's really nothing. I almost lost mine twice, so um, Mm. I don't know if there's anything more difficult to deal with. Um, And that's... That's a tough one to say, it's my karma But it's also people yeah. Misinterpret the word karma too They think it's punishment And you know There's lots of ways of looking At um, Things that happen You know when I saw the I got the premonition before the challenger Happened and uh, A number of mm-hmm. images that were incredibly Beautiful and then came true And then there was this Timeless astronaut on a screen, laughing back and forth with the most beautiful laugh and mm. but he was telling me not to worry they 're all in agreement i 'm going to cry because it's just it 's so moving they 're all in agreement and I came home I was in another state, and it had just happened about an hour before I came home and mm. I, they panned down to the parents looking up in the sky, so confused and they were really elderly and I thought, Oh my God, they don't understand. They don't understand that they're all right and I didn't even realize I was saying that until it came out of my mouth. And mm-hmm. we're all so much in agreement, um, in our contracts. Karma contracts.
0: Um yeah.
3: I had I had horrific, horrific parents. And just the other day, I was my parents have passed, and sometimes I argue with them. Most of the times I'm blessing them, and I know they're in a loving place now. But um, mm-hmm. what was I going to say? Um, oh, the other day I thanked her for taking on that role. That's not a nice mm-hmm. role to be a horrific, abusive parent, but they did. They mm-hmm. agreed
1: mm-hmm. as part mm-hmm. of
3: my contract. So... In the suicide, Mm. and um, I was given medication that people would try to commit suicide on. I ended up with a therapist and told him my story. He said, oh, my God, my mother was put on that medication, and she attempted, too. Okay, so I made a very, very, very serious attempt because I was out of my mind on this medication. So I have a little Mm. bit of insight into suicide and I always you know the first things people said to me when I woke up was you're so selfish selfish weak blah, blah," and so on Mm. and I knew I was strong it was my last choice out of a a thousand choices and so on and so on so you know um, there's so much about suicide that I think can be um, discovered in a more positive way than, than what we do and um, I I pray that you are in communication with your daughter because yes. Yes. yeah the, the, they're they're not gone and um, and you two agreed wow you know what a heroic thing that you both took on as a yeah. mama yes yes <laughs> to teach and, others to go through it yourself yeah
2: yeah and you know it, it like I said it it wasn't immediate but I I had that perception shift. It took years of working through all the questions that I had and then the heartbreak. But you can get to the place where you realize that all the things that have happened and are happening to you are all part of this big plan, you know, it's, and it's all part of your karma. And so we, we must look up and say, you know, all right, I accept this. I'm going to try my hardest not to. Resist, and I'm going to try my hardest to accept this with grace. Um, that's all we can do. So that's, you know, that's the only word that that comes to me for you. You know, is just to remember that it's it's all coming to you um, from karma, and that you know to accept it with grace as, as much as you can.
1: And and to learn to be in peace on those times that you feel uncomfortable. I think that's another. A uh, lesson that Metatron has taught us is that everything is it's okay, and sometimes being uncomfortable and unpleased and angry and and hurt, it's fine. It's not it's not bad. It's just a state of being. So um, Nina, here in this chapter, Metatron continues talking about being an anarchist of case of light and we have covered many of the things but there's something else that he said that I would like you to briefly comment so we can just mm-hmm. end with that part because we've always done mm-hmm. today has been a very good one yeah
2: and so what part are you wanting to comment on
1: uh, no, uh, On the same of the book, I'd be more so, he's talking about the anarchist of life, we talk yeah. uh, how we can be like that, and then what is it else that you mean that you will share with us today, so we can finish? Oh, okay. Um, let's see, I guess I, I would just
2: uh, close up today by saying that we create our own reality Okay, that's what the Hindus believe. That's what the Buddhists believe, that everything that happens in this world, however, also happens to be karmic. So it's coming into our lives from, uh, you know, an accumulation of past lives. And so the best thing we can do to try to come to peace with what's happening, to ask for strength to come to peace with what's happening in our world, And yet, and yet, Metatron in this chapter reminds us and challenges us that because it is our world, because we are here for a purpose, a higher purpose, of rising above our own problems and rising above the materialism that is our world, um, that we have the ability, we have the talent to make this world a better place, to change this world. But I would say that change has to come. It doesn't have to be any great thing that we do. You know, we don't have to go marching with a picket sign. We can simply change and touch the people that we're around and change our environment that way. So I felt like this chapter was was also challenging, but it was also very encouraging from our friend, Metatron. (laughs) Um, And he says, he says this about it, quote, all this progress you wish to make so many good wishes for planet Earth in so many of your hearts. It is moving to see how you want to change the world. You workers of light are the hope for the world. You can change things. Keep fighting and you will succeed. So I hope that um, our listeners have been encouraged today by something that they've heard. And if you'd like to have the book messages from Metatron, you can go to Amazon.com and search for me, Nina Bingham, or you can find all my books and podcasts on my blog at ninabingham.blogspot.com. And I want to invite you back for our next episode. It's going to be Friday, February 16th at 12 PM Eastern Standard Time. And our topic will be intuition and ESP and psychism. Okay, intuition, ESP, and psychism. Everyone, do wow. psychics for real? Well, join us and find out. And yes. as always, I couldn't do this without my extraordinary co-host, Claudia Pareko. Thank you again, Claudia.
1: Thank you, Robin. And thank you, everybody, for being here. So in terms of this month... Have a very happy Thanksgiving. We will come back until December 1st. And Nina, have a wonderful holiday. And I'll see you back in February.
2: Thank you. You too, Claudia. Everybody go out and get into some good trouble. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's be the energized today. That's right.